Howdy, partners, and welcome to another lovely installment of Howdy, partners. We've got Will. Will, long time no see. Where were you the last time when Ben and I were recording? I caught COVID uh, and I was r recovering, and then I went to Austin, Texas. Unfortunately, didn't get myself a cowboy hat, but I want to for exactly this podcast. That is a little. That's a little disappointing to hear. You were in literally the 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 hot spot of representing our brand, and you didn't walk back with anything to represent yourself. That's fine. At some point, we will get cowboy hats. And then Ben, welcome back. Hello, everyone. How's it going? It's nice to have a uh, nice to have Will back with us uh, again. It was a, a little bit lonely last time, but we uh, we carried things along a little. Uh, well, Tom, I, I thought. Yeah, so, I think you. So nice to have. Uh, nice. To I have think you would be proud. I, I I mean, I don't want to set the bar too high. It was it was a little bit lonely not having his beautiful face, but. We're happy that he's recovered. I think it could be the most. I think it could be the most downloaded episode. <laughs> well, knows, but we'll see. <laughs> I can't. Well, I won't promote it. How about that? <laughs> that's, that? Well, that's fine. We will promote it, and then the power combined of two versus three is going to supercharge everything that we've done so far. Well, everyone, welcome. We've got another great episode in front of you. I apologize if everyone's watching video. Uh, the the. Uh, having a seven month old downstairs and the spit up stains. Like I've been through the ringer on my Thursday, but I, I didn't actually, I didn't actually see that until you point, you pointed out, it kind of, it kind of melted into the background a little bit, but fair now we all know. I was not, and now I'm looking at I, it. I figured I'd make the disclaimer early. Cause I was on some, <laughs> I was on a call earlier. Like, Oh, what do you have on your sweatshirt or what have you, what do you have on your sleeve? And I'm like, well, do you want the truth or do you want the not truth? And anyway, give them the truth. But the baby <laughs> is sleeping right now, hopefully, and Will's at school. So hopefully no distractions from the, the toddlers. Uh, Your son today's Will. Episode. But, I'm not a toddler. No. <laughs> <laughs> so confusing when you say that. Yeah, it'll... I'm always like, Will's, Will's at school. I'm like, I didn't realize Will was still doing school. I was about to congratulate you, Will. But <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll call him Will Will, then middle Will. I'm actually Will too, but I go by Tom. Uh, just a fun fact. Um, anyway, so today we're talking, today we're talking IPP and I'm going to hand it over to Will, but for brand new listeners or listeners that don't know what IPP stands for, let's, let's start there. Will IPP. Yeah. And this is a topic that I like talking about because it's so foundational and we'll get into the implications of what developing this kind of resource does for your partner program, but um, an ideal partner profile. So just like a business builds an ideal customer profile, partner professionals need to build an ideal partner profile and it'll incorporate the ICP that your company has created. Um, but it will be, of course, a bit different because you're focusing on partners and not just clients. And the reason that this is important is because it sets the stage for just about everything that you do within the program. You know, why do we engage with these partners? That's in the IPP. What are the messages that resonate with both our partners and their clients? That'll be built within the IPP. And then also, of course, you know, what does the client actually get for value in engaging through this interaction? Well, that'll come from the IPP. And so, what it does for the rest of the program is you have this source of truth that will be that North star for any outreach that you do, any programs that you do, any onboarding that you do, 
And this is exactly why it should be a first step when you join a company as a partnerships professional. Even if you're joining an existing one, review the IPP. Maybe it's needing to evolve to uh, the current state because just like an ICP, an IPP can evolve over time. So uh, that's how I like to think about it and you know why it's so foundational um, because yeah, there's so many implications outside of that. Yeah, I, I agree. I think you I think you made a really good point from uh, I like the word the way that you use the word foundational because I think there's um there's oftentimes a lot of partners that you could go after, right? Like we all know there's there's so many channels in the partnership world that you could spend time and uh, time and energy in pursuing. But yeah, I, I think foundational is, is the key word here. I think it guides or provides a cornerstone for for all the activity that flows from your uh, from your partner program. So um, I guess with that being said, well, how do you like, how do you think about creating the IPP? Like what, what exercise or what activities do you go through to, to really create that? Yeah. So to create the ideal partner profile, first thing, grab the ICP. If your company does not have an ICP, which I experienced, uh, it from one of my organizations, then you should try and build it or, you know, build at least an MVP of that ICP. Um, and what you'll be able to do here is understand, you know, what is, of course, that persona of the individual, but you'll be able to pretty quickly understand the other types of companies that will be engaging with that type of client. And so, you know, if you're selling sales technology and it's sales technology to the SMB space, well, you know, there are other technologies that service that SMB salesperson. And there are uh, consultants and trainers and influencers that will all fall into servicing that similar ICP. So grab that ICP, really understand where they uh, get value from your company. And then that'll then translate, of course, to, okay, well, where are those other companies that uh, you can engage with? And I, and I can maybe provide just like a, I guess, a functional example or a real life example, because as everybody probably knows, I'm in the early stages of building the partnership program out at Help Scout. But just to, I guess, illuminate who are ICPs at Help Scout. So we're a customer support tool that primarily plays in the SMB space. So one to 500 employees um, and then across uh, some very specific ver verticals. So B2B SaaS, e-commerce, financial services, real estate education. So um, to Will's point, like I think that's the kind of information that you're looking for from your marketing, your sales team when you're asking what is our what is our icp and in actual fact like if you haven't got an icp one that would concern me slightly but secondarily like it, it it probably makes your job that much more difficult so fingers crossed you go into an organization as a partnership professional and they've they've kind of dialed in that icp because it makes your job uh your job far easier i would say in uh <laughs> in actually creating an ideal Ab partner absolutely program. and um yeah go ahead tom well, I was just, I, I wanted to pose a question because I think, you know, what we're talking about in terms of, you know, creating the IPP, uh, tailoring that around the ICP that your company hopefully already has, you know, is there, is there any thought to the idea of, of, you know, let's say you're just launching strategic partnerships. It's, it's, you know, to Ben's point, you know, he's, he's, he's at help scout to help kind of build that out. Um, talk about, Talk about like when, when is it time to do that? Like, are we talking in the first, you know, month of strategies or strategizing for the partnership programs that you're about to launch? 
Are we talking about revising that at month six? Because there's something to say, and Ben and I riffed on this, you know, last time we were talking about um, the tiering model is that it, it's got to be this work in progress. So, you know, the idea of having partners in understanding, you know, what partnerships work, what don't, and kind of tailoring that down is there's something, is that, is that acceptable, right? Like create something one V1, see that that maybe needs to change. You know, what does that look like? Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, to your, the first part of your question, I would say develop that as soon as possible, because then you can start setting goals alongside of that. Like, you know, as a partner person, I'm going to spend 10% on these communities, 20% on these technologies and the 70% on these agencies. And the reason that uh, you'll be able to organize that is because you'll understand the value chain that the client gets and um, the partner gets and your team gets all through building that ideal partner profile. And so um, do it with as soon as possible, I would say. Um, of course, once you're situated within the organization and you have your internal relationships built, um, then get to that building because uh, as you set those goals, it'll relate to you know the profiles that you create through that process. And so absolutely you should be updating it and you should do the same for your ICP as well, because, you know, maybe you release, let's call it three features that then allow you to break into a new market. Maybe that really takes off and that new market gives you, you know, 80% more clients. So now your ICP should definitely change because your business is thriving in a different area. So the same thing goes for your par ideal partner profile where, you know, maybe at your current stage of the company, Agencies are going to really help out to uh, bring that success to the client and, um, you know, make sure that you have these amazing stories with clients. But as you scale, maybe the next phase is it could be communities to really push out that message could be, you know, a, a more ideal partner. And so absolutely, I think you should revise it because not only does the business change and the, the service that you offer, but also the strategy at those stages will change as well. So um, absolutely start within the I, first few weeks, I would say, and then um, revise it as you go six months or so. Yeah, I'd echo that. Cause I think, I think ultimately as well, like we, we all like to think that when you first map an ideal partner profile, it's going to be the perfect one and you've got it correct. But I think a large part of your job, especially in like the first six to even nine months is to test that hypothesis. Meaning that like I could have built out an ideal partner profile that says like, okay, cause we sell into SMB businesses. I think, and this is actually what I'm doing for help scout at the moment. I think the SMBs outsource it and they use marketing agencies as, and, and they have those, those people as trusted advisors. So those would be the people that help scout could be referred by. Right. So those are some of the hypotheses that I'm testing at the moment. And a lot of that is accomplished in some, even some of the outbound that you do to agencies, right? So you can see pretty quickly when I'm reaching out to agencies, you'll get a response like, oh yeah, that makes perfect sense to me as well. Or you might get responses that are like, that makes yeah. zero sense. You're kind of barking up the wrong tree. So, so for me, those are the tests that you need to conduct very early on or early on, and then double down on where you see success. So technology partners, great example of help scout. We've got loads of technology partners. We need to do go to market with all of the major ones, right? We're already starting to see lead generation happen from those technology partners, which says to me like, great, right? Like we have got a partner and an idle partner profile that we need to double down on. That might not be the case with all your tests. So to Will's point, I think you, you establish it early on, but really your role is to test those as early on as possible um, and then make the decision to, to drop or 
or, 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 or go after more, so to speak. Sure. So what I'm hearing is early on, it should actually be named the somewhat ideal partner profile because you're going to be revising, right? So I, uh, yeah, it, it should be something else. Yeah. Yeah. Current partner yeah, profile. The best guess ideal. Your, best guess ideal. Yeah. It should be, it should be the, it should be current customer profile as is. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's going to be. Yeah. Ideal it's, yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I mean, it's so like ideal partner profile is such like, uh, I think it just wants to marry to this market in term, which is ICP when in actual fact, like ideal is probably not <laughs> accomplished until two, three years on into a partnership yeah. really when you can say like with a certain degree of certainty. So yeah, I agree. It's probably not the best, the best expression for it to be. Yeah. Concerned. We're going to very we're gonna moment in time. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, yeah, exactly. So let's, let's talk about the, let's, let's quickly touch on, you know, the, the reverse of this is what if you, what if you don't create an ideal partner profile? What is, what does that do? Are you behind the eight ball? What can you expect in terms of kind of like roadblocks or, or friction points if that's not on your roadmap in the first few months? Yeah, so I I love this, and this is a narrative that I think um, a lot of people don't always consider in you know the application of it, um, but it's very important. And if you don't have an ideal partner profile, what you'll be forced to do is you'll be forced to look at what do I know most? Well, that's about my company and you know what I know, and it's not necessarily what these partners care about or the the clients care about. And it's a trap that a lot of salespeople fall into where they reach out to a prospect and it's all, hey, here's why we're great. Here's who we work with. So do you want to talk? Um, And if you don't have an ideal partner profile, then you'll probably do the same in your outreach to partners because that's all you know. You haven't gone through the process of thinking about what does the partner gain in this interaction? How does the client win through the partner in this interaction? And so translating a message of value to these potential partners is more difficult because you haven't actually uh, gone through the process of formalizing that. Um, On the other side is internally. So if you were to do a presentation internally and you don't truly understand the value chain between the partner, the client and you, then you're not going to get buy-in. It'll all be us, 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 and it'll all be theory at that point as well. And so when you're going to ask for resources or to try and get, you know, at least one internal champion, you won't even be able to sell this vision of, you know, this is why it actually works and what there's this, uh, that there's this value chain as well. The third area is, let's say you do get a partner, let's say your outreach is bad, you, you don't have internal alignment, but you still land a partner because, you know, they're Canadian or, you know, they're just open to the conversation. Um, and from there, if you don't have this North Star or this understanding of that value chain, then when you're setting expectations and doing onboarding, it will focus again on your business and it won't focus in on the client winning or the partner's business. And uh, again, you could still, you know, Frankenstein it together as you go, build a ship as it's flying. Uh, But if you don't have that structure, then it'll be very messy. And you don't want to bring that messiness to your partner because they need clarity. You're approaching them with this new initiative, you know, they're operating business as usual and you're coming in saying, hey, let's do a partnership. And so if you can't bring structure, they're going to fall off and they're not going to activate, they're not going to perform. Uh, And this is why it's so critical because 
it's almost like that domino effect of your outreach will suck, you won't get internal buy-in, and your onboarding will fall flat, and so will all of your programs because you don't understand and you can't convey the message of here's the value chain. Um, so I think those are the three main areas that it would impact the most. Yeah, and if you're bottom line is if you're if you're struggling to get partners, just go to Canada. Reach out to any Canadian <laughs> company. There, I, I do want can't say that. I, I do, I do want to piggyback on there, Will, because again, like this is all very topical for me at the moment, very top of mind. So, another channel that we've identified where we've had a ton of inbound um, interest, which is always a good sign, right? And and does somewhat for for establishing at least what might be a good a good partner for you, um, are BPOs, so outsourcing organizations that outsource customer service. Obviously, we're a customer support tool that helps scout. Um, and what we've quickly found out is that like whenever they're in with customers, customers will complain about, hey, my my customer support software is too expensive or is too cumbersome. And in that scenario, those BPOs are asked, what other customer support software do you recommend, right? But to Will's point, like when I'm doing outbound to BPOs that have not considered this, that is the message that you need to convey. So you need to, you need to understand what scenario Help Scout will be brought up in and then also convey the benefit they're gonna get, which in this case is, you might as well get referral commission if you're going to make those referrals anyway, if you're, going to, if you're going to give them that advice, but also you're going to give your clients a better experience and recommend a better support solution, which ultimately is going to make your job easier as, an, as a BPO, right? Um, and also make you more of a trusted advisor to your, to your customers. So that, that's really kind of, um, like I said, top of mind for me. And as you were talking about that, Will, it, it all connects together, right? Like you establish a profile, you know what the value proposition is, and then that feeds into the messaging when you're reaching out to partners. So, so yeah, I, I totally agree with that for sure. Yeah, and if I could tell you, like, if more, if more partnership-led organizations can start thinking about their partners as or or modeling them to be trusted advisors and and just like multi-solutions or uh, consultants, it it works so much better than just trying to sell a solution to sell a solution. So I think you nailed that. That resonates with me completely. Um, so we'll yeah. let's oh, go ahead. I, I was just going to mention it's a good segue into, you know, like a good summary of the like components. Um, Cause I know I mentioned, you know, take the ICP and then figure out those, those watering holes. But um, yeah, I would love to dive into uh, that value chain that I was mentioning. So, Let's say you determine the ICP translating into, okay, here are the other watering holes that service a similar ICP. Um, why do they service that ICP? What is the client getting from you know these other organizations? You can probably figure out their value prop, um, but more importantly for the client, how do they win more because I'm working with this partner? It has to start with the client. There's a reason that I, I bring it up first where what is the client value of that joint value proposition? You know, if I'm a technology and I work with an agency and they do technology impl uh, implementations, that one's pretty straightforward. You know, the client gets better use of their platform. You know, it's more well integrated or implemented and they are able to actually get, you know, the full value of it versus being busy with their day to day and not getting, you know, all the training or getting all the use. So that is the value proposition that you need to to understand is okay if i work with these other technology companies what is that value for that client if i work with these agencies 
what is that value for the client and not just from the agency, but for us working together. And again, this will help with your outreach and the programs that you develop. And um, to layer onto that, the next thing that you should understand or determine in that value chain is how does the partner win? You know, do they get more exposure? Do they get to build another service? Do they have a more robust offering? Are they stickier because they have another integration? Whatever it is, there needs to be business value for the partner. And again, this is in a very deliberate order. What's the customer value for our joint value proposition? What's the partner value in actually taking the effort to build this partnership with us? And then of course, determine what's our value. And the interesting thing is if you start with what's my value through these partnerships, if you start with that, you'll probably think of, uh, you know, we get more clients or more revenue. But if you're going through this value chain exercise where you start with the client then go to the partner, you'll probably come up with a bit of a different answer where it's we're stickier, we get longer lifetime clients or happier clients, or, you know, they get more use of the, the tool. And so that I think is is very critical because again, when you go and present this to the customer success team, it's not just, hey, there's revenue over here. This is why we're doing this. Now go introduce our partners to our clients. It's, hey, what you care about, I know exactly how it can work. And then it's much easier to translate. So, yeah. Man, I love, I love that you brought that up because um, I'm going through a process of like talking to our CSMs and our account managers at the moment of like why why integration partnership matter like why you should be bringing these integration partners up and i'm just pulling up some stats here now but i can give you high level i don't think it's confidential it might be we might have to cut this out but if not then then great um but our logo churn percentage over the past two years at help scout when they have an integration installed is like i think it's like 29 percent or something like that but our logo churn percentage the past two years with no integration integrations used is 36 percent. so there's like a seven percent difference when like when our customers have integrations installed so it get that it gets back to the part of like i think a lot of sales leaders view um view partnerships still as this transactional model which is great and it can be like a lead generation engine um but there's a lot on the back end where actually like once somebody has bought help scout and they've integrated hubspot and they've integrated aircall for example mm -hmm that client, it becomes so much more painful for them to move to a different solution because now you've got to disconnect air call and then reconnect yep. it. Like you've got to transfer all the data. So like there's, there's, there's additional things and those things for me are even more tangible than like the lead sharing piece and even more beneficial. So yeah, I, I love that, that point. Well, it's definitely something that I'm, I'm kind of digging into at the moment from a, from a data perspective. Yeah. Nailed it. Um, okay. I mean, will takeaways, uh, we kind of just talked on that. What what are people going to get out of this? Why is IPP important, and what can our listeners expect to to take away? Yeah, so let's do let's do a summary. So the first step is gather your ICP, study it, understand it, and figure out what types of companies also service a similar ICP. The next step is understand what does the client get from those other organizations which will then help you determine what's a general joint value proposition for those tech partners, those agency partners, and so on. So again, starting with that client value, then determine what the partner value is. Again, is it you know more services they can develop? Is it another technology they can uh, sell to their clients uh, and offer to their clients? What is that value for the partner as well? 
and then determine what is the value for us, which will be a bit more for the internal stuff. And the way that you can apply this is when you go to do outreach to a potential partner, it will not be, hey, here's why we're great and who we work with, you should partner with us. It's, hey, I have this idea, you can win through this, your clients win through this, do you wanna talk about it? Or, you know, there's an opportunity here, we should at least discuss it. That's much more compelling to convert to a meeting. Um, it'll also then inform your onboarding so you can build a much more uh, clear onboarding process for setting the right expectations with your partners. And then also going internally, you can convey this message of value for either the sales team or the customer, customer success team, whoever it is, of, hey, this is the joint value. This is why we work with this type of partner. And here's how it impacts the client and impacts us as well. Um, so the summary is take those steps, build that profile, use that in those three general areas. And of course, like we talked about at the start, every six months or so, review it, you know, take 30, 60 minutes and just think on, is this working? Do we need to tweak some of these things? Um, and I'll layer in a bit of a bonus. You can, as you're doing this research, as you take a look at these different companies and understand the joint value proposition, also start to look at, you know, how are they actually going to market? Um, what does the lead process look like? What is their pricing like? Because that'll, of course, factor into the other programs that you run. But I would say that's a bit further down the line. Um, but keeping an eye on it could be good because the gives that you give to partners, which I'm sure we'll talk about in the future, will relate to, you know, what are the gaps or what are they like doing already? So good to note those in the ideal partner profile. Um, cause then that could inform or generate some ideas for future programs for you. Love it. Love it. Ben, any, uh, any final words? No, I think we covered it. I think that should give everybody a good kind of boilerplate to follow, especially if you're at the stage of relaunching or, or even starting a partner program. I think those are some easy steps, um, to take and to Will's point, I think, yeah, starting with the ICP, bringing your marketing team, they should have that kind of down to an art hopefully um so so that can that can definitely be a resource for you um but yeah then then start building from there given some of the steps that that, that was given them love it love it so everyone just to recap don't skip this right ipp is very important especially as you're getting started building out partnerships you need to have a firm understanding of who you're trying to target why you're trying to target them uh, and then start with them right start with their customers go back to the partner then what does it mean to you? And then hopefully you get that internal buy-in and, and it's like an oil change every six months, go back, revise, refresh, start to think about if that makes sense and build. Um, so thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed another lovely rendition of Howdy Partners and we will catch you guys next time. Catch you guys and gals, everyone next time.